Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, We are officially back in the building, ready to go, plenty of updates, it's, I don't know, what has it been, about three, maybe four years since we last did a show there, Mr. Host? (laughs) Right before CARF. Right before CARF, so, I mean, uh, I don't know, let me think, we we must have, uh, did did we have a Warriors Championship? Uh, on our hands during the last show? Was it official? Had we taken down Boston on the parquet floor, as they call it? Ah, <laughs> we have We have another ring in the Bay. I think since since the last show, your your Yankees were swept, swept out of the postseason and now uh, in a desperate effort to uh, uh, atone for such a travesty, they Signed Aaron Judge for 17 years and 900 million dollars. That's uh, hitting below the belt, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it is unfortunate that we will be saddled with this contract for the next nine years. The man will be patrolling right field for uh, for a guy who has. As we all know, us New Yorkers know, New York baseball fans know, especially Yankee fans, that uh, George Steinbrenner doesn't give a rat's behind what you do in the regular season. What you yeah, do last the we checked, they don't give out any uh, any trophies for shining in the regular season. That's right. Yes. Well, yeah, anyway, lot, definitely a lot to discuss, uh, and we're excited to, to be in the building with everybody today for anyone who might uh, call in or listen live or listen in the archives. Um, we've got a great topic in store for you, but definitely um, some uh, some catching up to do as it has been a while since we had our last show. So why don't we uh, go ahead and make some announcements there, uh, Mr. Host? Well, the first thing is that we were successful in getting reaccredited by CARF. Beautiful, we achieved, beautiful. We achieved a three-year accreditation, which is the top. 
Yep. And, Three uh, years, that's who, the max, huh? That's the max. Uh, that's the Boeing 737 max. Um, and kudos to all of the staff because um, it is a group group effort headed up by our quality assurance coordinator, Laura Perkins. Um, she didn't she didn't pitch a, a no hitter or a perfect game uh, this time. I think we got about four or five recommendations, which is still extremely low. I remember in in our first few car cycles, we would average in the double digits. Yeah, uh, I remember mid, that. The mid, the mid to high teens and still achieve accreditation, but, you know, because so recommendations were a part of it. They're, they're normal. You're supposed to get them. So us, the very, the cycle before this one, getting a uh, pitching, Laura pitching a perfect game is the exception the very rare exception from what we were told, not the rule. So we certainly, didn't, we certainly didn't go into it this time with those expectations. Uh, but I think what we came out with, with the four or five recommendations, which were, I think, three of them were in the same area. And they're all policy and procedure tweaking, by the way, um, uh, is still outstanding. So kudos to her and the work she puts in uh, not only the, the the year of the survey, but the two years in between, uh, keeping everything going and well-oiled so that it's not a culture shock when, when that last year comes and you have to prepare for the next accreditation survey. We're, we're doing it the whole time, which is what you're supposed to do. Yep. Yep. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Tremendous job she did. And even with the four or five, and that's four or five recommendations on uh, four, I think, what was it? Four, well, residential, uh, outpatient, the recovery residents, and maybe even ODF, right? IOP yeah, and no, ODFs? Yep, no. Four programs. Yep. So totally. four entities. And we used to, like you said, get double digits when we were only doing it for two. Yep. So, yeah, solid job for sure. So the three years, we'll be uh, riding that wave for the next uh, the next three years here. And then in, what is it, in 2024, Laura will uh, start hitting us with the prep leading up to our next survey. But we're good to go for now, so that's excellent stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Any other uh, announcements we want to make? Do we want to talk about the uh, – we're famous for our acronyms here in OCG. We actually can't wait to give things acronyms. Uh, SPD, we make an announcement here to the folks about the SPD. Sure. So we've always, over the years, had a special projects division, department, whatever you want to call it. Um, and a lot of times the special projects is like it's like the black black budget you know the black ops division yeah uh, where very few people know what they're doing and why they're doing it type deal but um what we've been doing for the last i want to say year unofficially is well let's start with this our our board president is a general contract. That's what he's been doing for the last 30 years. Uh, mostly focuses on residential um, building, but um, it has been his dream to be able to do an apprenticeship program with the interested clients coming through our program. And we've never really figured out a way to make it happen. What he has done on his own is take people who either have had who has had experience or or, or background in a particular construction skill, carpentry, electrical, plumbing, whatever it may be, and help them get their license or get their license back or help them um, uh, become a general contractor. So he's done that over the last thirty years with us. But what his vision was is about 
being able to take some guys out on jobs to give them experience working, even for those who've never had experience but have a desire to get in construction, and that they'll spend some time doing, working on the job with him, gaining experience, learning how to work, et cetera, et cetera, and by the time they're done with their apprenticeship, that they can go out and get a job in the construction field. So a couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, I was thinking, because what he started doing was, now he, you know, he's retired. He still gets lots of calls. And he started using some of our graduates who are skilled in certain areas. We have a plumber, a carpenter, a painter, this or that, to assist him with jobs that he was taking on. And, but he did not want to be paid for the work. He wanted the guys who he was hired to be paid, um, and then any extra money that would go be donated to OCG. And we couldn't really figure out a way to, to do it. We tried one way, and the accountant absolutely hated it. She said, I don't care what you do. Don't do that. Um, and then I think we just stumbled, stumbled and bumbled onto a way that was going to work perfectly, which is that he would – and it wouldn't be for these guys because these guys are already skilled professionals, but they, these guys would be like the backbone of the special projects division. And what Ray would do is he would find the jobs using his contacts, and then these guys who we pay, we pay them, Ray would bid out the job, get the job, charge for the job, and we would use that revenue to cover whatever the costs are for the guys in the special projects division, what they get paid. And the net profit gets turned around and donated back to our common ground. So I said, we, we already have that in place. What we don't have in place is opening up the special projects to people who are currently in treatment to get into the apprenticeship, the apprenticeship program while they're still in treatment and have those dual tracks going at the same time. And as you know, Mr. Producer, this is not unusual. This has happened in Daytop many times over the years, not only for the staff training program, but other things. People have gone to work in the construction services division that Daytop had and other divisions that Daytop had as trainees while they were still officially still considered a client in treatment. So I ran that by Ray. I said, look, I think what you've been wanting to do is what we're doing, but just opening it up to clients. Right. Two, two three, four clients will be in the special projects division as interns. They'd receive a stipend or what have you, and um, they'll – while they're going through treatment on one hand, they'll be working with you, putting in a number of hours a week, working with you, building up their skill level or learning a skill, whatever it may be. And there you have it. And to say that he loved the idea is an understatement. Right. Yeah. Very excited about it. So he said that he was going to keep his, his general contractor license active until they put him in the casket just for the purposes of this program. This is what he's living for. So Yeah, that's awesome. So I believe we have our first three <clears throat> interns. Yeah, we do indeed. Yep, our first three interns. Different phases of treatment as well, but um, all seem to be handling it very well and very grateful for the opportunity. And um, we'll see what becomes of it. I think and it'll, I think it'll be a success. I think so as well. Um, and I also, for folks who, who are local here in the Bay Area and familiar with this field or other programs, it's it's a little bit of um, kind of like a Delancey Street 
approach or model for folks who know Delancey Street in the city. Um, they have a lot of offshoots that all operate under the umbrella of Delancey Street from, you know, a professional moving company to a restaurant that they own and operate on the Embarcadero. Uh, they usually will do lots like Christmas tree lots. And so <clears throat> yeah, operating different different businesses under the umbrella of Delancey Street. And I think um, – that's kind of what this what this venture is going to look like as far as this this division. Um, but I'm also super excited about it. Think it's going to be really really great. Um, you know, I've shared this with with my wife and, and other individuals um, that I've always thought our common ground. We we do an excellent job for what it is we were intended to do, which is provide treatment for individuals. We run the full continuum of care from residential to intensive outpatient to, <clears throat> excuse me, outpatient drug-free. Uh, we offer supportive housing either in the recovery residence or the numerous SLEs we now operate. Um, and so housing and treatment, check and check. We, we've got those. We, we basically do everything other than detox. Um, but uh, so we've, we've always done really, really well, I believe, in that regard. But as folks know about the Bay Area, uh, the cost of living <clears throat> is intense out here, um, and so the housing that we provide kind of aids in that or assists in that. But now one thing that we've um, – I say we've done a good job with in the past as far as um, job – we'll call it job creation, where we do have a fair amount of folks who have graduated the program who are now employees of the organization as far as on the treatment side of things, on the TC side of things. Um, but with kind of housing, recovery, and, and work being three major needs clients have, this division just allows us to get even stronger as an organization in that work avenue and, and what we can provide for clients. Uh, so I think uh, it's, a, it's a really great move, and I can, I can see it really <clears throat> blossoming here over the next five years, 10 years, 15 years. Hopefully it's a, it's a very long-term thing. Um, and it just allows us to tick another box of what we can offer to clients who are serious about their treatment and go through our program. That's the plan. Um, so it just started officially a week ago. We'll see what happens. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm very excited about it. Um, I think does that that ticks all the announcements that we needed to make. If we can think of any others throughout the show, we'll throw it out there. But uh, I think we can get into the topic, which, of course, is very fitting for the current season. Uh, Mr. Host, you want to introduce the topic to the people? I thought we'd talk about what it's like to be in treatment during the holidays and I, I'm talking about, when I say the holidays, I'm talking about this period of time from Thanksgiving all the way through the New Year's. Um, Mr. Producer, have you, have, when you were going through your treatment experience 75 years ago, did you go through any of the, this holiday period? Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. So my, my primary chunk uh, in... We call it at that time, it's just, it was all residential. You, there were no, you weren't stepping down after X amount of time and outpatient treatment was just kind of one block, one shot until you got to phase four. But yeah, my residential stay, absolutely. Um, my intake was uh, the beginning of November. And so, yeah, um, a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, my birthday, so that's Did it all in one shot. That that that's interesting because do you think it's easier or harder or neither or if you come in at this time of the year and just you know you're so you're in throughout the holidays versus let's say you come in in the early part of the calendar year and by the time you get to the holidays you you know you've been there seven eight months you know whatever nine months and um you know, now you're going to experience the holidays, you know, which one do you think is more challenging? 
Yeah, I would say it's uh, if I had to guess, I would say coming in early in the year, January, February, and working through treatment and getting to that to the holiday season and then having to go through that after having done seven, eight, nine months is, is maybe a little more challenging because I think when you're first brought into treatment, there's a little bit of a shock value. And so you're not, you're, there's so much going on with adapting to your new environment and thinking through what has happened that um, you don't really have time to think about, Oh, I'd like to be, you know, I'd rather be somewhere else for the holiday. It's you're still getting used to your new environment and acclimated to your new environment. And so um, it being a holiday is almost, you don't even really think about it because you're adapting to this new thing. I'd say if you've been in treatment for seven, eight, nine months, you know, you've been doing well, you've been away from home for a while. Now the holidays are coming up. Maybe you're, you know, you've got more time, especially in the later phases, you know, back in the day, that would be phase three prior to hitting phase four, um, where you've accomplished a lot and you're thinking about reentry or transitioning back to, to miss the holidays, then you just have more time to think about it. I think um, being dropped in a couple weeks before the holidays begin, um, you don't even really have time to to focus solely on the holiday because you're looking at the bigger picture of what's happening. I think I agree with that. Um, I came in in February. So by the time the holiday season rolls around, now mind you, for me, I was entering, I was in the staff training program. Um, So a little bit different because I'd made a decision that was going to impact me regardless. Uh, I wasn't going anywhere. You know what I mean? So, um, but one thing for me and for uh, most of my peers, um, now the only thing I don't know in relation to my peers is what's, what's the root behind this, this feeling. But um, like I had, very positive Christmas experiences prior to going into daytop. Um, so, but I always say going, being in daytop and experiencing Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, etc., cetera, um, was absolutely wonderful. I don't know how else to put it. It was absolutely, uh, they did whatever it is that they do and they did, uh, I don't know how anyone could not feel um, cared about, um, loved by you know your peers and, and whatnot. It was just a, a, a wonderful environment. Um, maybe because you were 200 miles up in the Catskill Mountains, that had something to do with it. I have no idea. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Wasn't like uh, you know there was some place to go, but. Um, all the memories were positive and um and also maybe because uh you know I was an adult you know I was age 24 25 and so it wasn't like you were you know a teenager or you know a young adolescent you know longing to be with your parents or anything like that that wasn't the case right um, but it still doesn't mean that depending on what your experiences were prior to, it doesn't mean that still that, that being in daytop for some couldn't have been a difficult experience and probably was for some people. But for everyone that was in my immediate circle, my peer group, okay, the consensus was that this, it was a great experience. Um, being, being in like Thanksgiving was a wonderful day, Christmas was a wonderful day, New Year's was a wonderful day, and that whole time period in between then, and, and maybe the way the facilities were dressed up, had something decorated, had something to do with it. Um, you know, the spirit was around in the whole nine yards. Um, I think I told you before, Mr. Producer, the funny thing about uh, daytime. <laughs> I don't care what holiday it was that they celebrated. When that holiday was over, you would come on the floor the next morning, there would be not a sign 
You wouldn't see. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't see a piece of a, a shriveled up corner of a wrapping paper or somewhere on the floor. You would see no sign that there ever was a holiday. Nothing. Right back to business as usual. Absolutely nothing. Thanks. Maybe the week before Thanksgiving, there were decorations and all that stuff up, but Friday morning, come on the floor. No sign that there was a Thanksgiving celebration the day before or a Christmas celebration the day before or a New Year's celebration the day before. Not a sign. Wow, yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, there you have it. we got to get right back to our focus. But as so long as so they me, made the so day up special. This. Let me finish this. So what I like to tell residents, and I have told them over the years, is if, and if you're going to be in treatment during this time of the year, okay, yes, especially if you have young children, yes, you will have various things tugging at your, tugging at you, tugging at your heartstrings and just tugging at you, period, especially if you have young children. Um, but you will look back if you're, if you're able to put your head down, stay focused, don't allow the outside world, the external pressures to, 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 to pull on you. And the way you do that, by the way, is, is immersing yourself in the, the everyday life of the TC, where you just lose track of the outside world. And you'll know you've done that when you don't notice time. You lose track of days and how much time is going by. That's when you know you're immersed in the everyday life of the TC. If you know this time going by, every hour, every minute of every day going by, and you're staring out the window, not that there's anything to look at out the window, then, then your mind is not in, in the TC. Your mind is elsewhere. And then you become more susceptible to being tugged at and eventually pulled out because you're not focused on what you're doing and why you're there. Uh, but if you're able to do that, and maintain that focus, you'll be able to look back and and at a very positive experience. But I always say, you want to make it. You only want to experience it one time. That's it, just once. That's all you need. You don't need to come back and experience it again and again and again. Just one time right. is enough. Uh, but I do agree with you that if you if you're on the middle or tail end of your treatment experience, it's, it's more effort because your mind may have been elsewhere as you're preparing to do other things, right? Yeah. Um, especially with how treatment is set up now. Back in the day when, when the residential was 12 months long, depending on where you were at in that 12-month cycle, um, if you were at the tail end and let's say in that, in that last uh, you know, trimester, if you will, then you, you know, you, you're, you were going out, you're looking for work, you're doing other things, you're outside the house a lot. And so your, your, your mind and your, your energy is being split and spent in different ways versus someone who spends most of their time in the house, they don't have a lot of outside activities going on, et cetera. So we understand that, um, and, it, and that's the way it should be. But... I have seen, Mr. Producer, guys that come in, let's say in October, late October or early November, and even though you and I would look at it, you know, that's a benefit to be on the front end of that and, and just go through that, that, that holiday row, if you will, and get it over right. with. And then now you're just, you know, into the new year, looking forward to spring, um, and that's that. Um, but some, depending on where, what they just left, so if they just come out of custody, that's different because then and all they did was leave other in, inmates. But if, if they come either off the street or come from home, you know what I'm saying? Usually when someone comes in from home during the holiday time, that means they've been receiving maximum pressure, external pressure, right? And so they may not have as much investment holding them as someone maybe who comes out of custody and just glad to be out of jail, if you will. Uh, and it's not like they've just left their family to come into treatment at this moment in time and, you know, on Thanksgiving or Christmas time. 
But it will test. It will test your commitment. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure it will, and that's why we do see <clears throat> historically. And, and I'm with you. I had a great experience um, for the holidays while I was here. Um, I really enjoyed everything that was done. I absolutely agree with what you said that the organization and the staff certainly made the day feel special and made you feel cared about, made you feel like, uh, you know, that this was, um, this was something that was going to be memorable and was going to be done well. And it was going to be, uh, was going to be handled with care and, and not just another day on the calendar. Um, but like we've seen historically, and I believe the, the data backs this up, right? We, we see during the holiday season, sometimes there's an uptick in self discharges, um, or just an uptick in, um, behavior issues beginning to surface or, you know, because clients are triggered or going through things and they don't quite yet have the tools to identify exactly what's causing that. And, and, um, and then once identifying it, using those tools to cope with it in a more appropriate fashion. Uh, So it's always important for us to be on our toes um, during this time of year because of those things. Uh, And I think, and, and I don't know if we actually, announced this uh mr host but um another thing that will add to this holiday season and a potential uptick in in behaviors and speaking of coping tools uh on new year's day january 1st we're transitioning to a smoke-free organization and so on top of whatever the clients would normally be going through during the holiday season come january 1st they'll no longer be allowed to smoke uh, on the property. And so that is also going to add to that list of um, potential challenges and struggles. So we've done a lot as an organization to, to try and prepare for this and, and prepare the clients as best we can. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, when that day actually hits and it becomes real, um, that could also be another another thing that some of our clients struggle with. Even though you and I are both non-smokers, I think we psychologically blocked that announcement out of our minds. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Now, I will say that what you just described about the this time of the year triggering people was definitely present with more so with the adolescents than the adults. For sure. Because um, obviously the kids that we were getting, most of them were in the foster care systems coming out of horrible circumstances so you can imagine that their experience of thanksgiving and christmas and new year's has not been a joyful one uh for parts of their adolescence um so they the definite behavioral incidents that we used to see around this time of the year definitely increased a lot and um but I think as we got into those holidays and they were they were able to just experience what it what it could be like, what this time of the year could be like if you were in a normal and obviously being in treatment is not I don't call that normal, but it certainly was more normalcy than where they came from. Um, a and the funny thing is we used to have to make this argument to the licensing division of the state about because they didn't like – they considered considered us an institutional setting, mind you, yeah. because, we, yeah. because we were large, because we, weren't, we were larger than six beds. So we were, anything larger than six beds, they're like, oh, my goodness, it's an institution, um, whereas we always looked at ourselves as a family, just a large family. Um, and we did everything and experienced everything large families experienced. Um, and so with that in mind, we wanted to make those holiday times feel like it would in a large, uh, at least semi-healthy family, if you will. Uh, semi-functional, not 100% dysfunctional. There's always a little bit of dysfunction, but, you know, um, more functional than dysfunctional, at least family 
and those that experienced that, I, I, I didn't hear one adolescent say it was terrible. They didn't like it. Matter of fact, they loved Christmas Day because of what, you know, our late, late adolescent director, Mark Kentrup, used to do. You know, you cook for them, cook brunch for them, and ride down the hallway of the facility on a bicycle with a, dressed up as Santa Claus in a big box. Of <laughs> big bag. I used to say to Mark, I said, you do know that they're 15 and 16. They're not 6 and 7, right? Didn't stop yeah. them. Yeah. No, heck no. Doing it. You love that? Yeah, I had a, and I don't know, I, I may have mentioned this on the show before when we've done holiday episodes in years past, but I had a streak of maybe, I want to say like eight years, give or take, consecutively where I was the cook for Thanksgiving uh, dinner. Right. And so I, you know, the facility cook would want it off and I would always get with the facility cook about a week before to to prepare my menu and, and order the things I needed her to order from U.S. Foods. And, um, yeah, there was about an eight- to nine-year streak where I would come in the night before to brine my turkey and get everything prepped. And then the next day, there would always be – that's one thing to adolescents. Some of them really appreciated being in the kitchen and kind of wanted to learn how to cook and would be excited to help out even on a holiday. Right. And yep. so I would pull in some of those kids who had kind of a culinary interest and we would uh, whip together the Thanksgiving meal and we'd have dinner, you know, the traditional uh, late lunch, early dinner, whatever you want to call it and the football going. And um, I used to love that. So um, I can, I can vibe with, with Mark going down the hallway with the bicycle, <laughs> pretending <laughs> to be Santa. You just kind of, you get into holiday mode. Now, I don't um, – you can imagine in a facility of 250 people um, that I'm sure buried in there somewhere are folks who may not have enjoyed the experience. And, and I would say – because one thing that there was a lot, a lot of people had children. A lot of people had children, which was foreign to me because I was on the younger side um, in my early to mid-20s. Um, but there were a lot, especially the women that were there, um, had younger and small children. And so you can really understand the pull during that time of the year for them possibly could to uh, mitigate that. Because obviously the most important thing is they didn't want the parents leaving treatment. So whatever they could do to, uh, whether it was that that Sunday visit or the Sunday before, whatever it was, having you know every anyone who had children, having them all come up to Swan Lake and you know providing as much transportation as possible, yeah. or a mixture of people going down to the downstate facilities and meeting their kids at the outreach or whatever you know things like that. However, they can finagle it to make it happen so that the kids. Uh, got exposure to their parents and a positive experience for the holiday season where we know that at the very least the previous holiday season, that was not the case because of, you know, why? Yeah. Um, Right. So I really um, admired that the effort that Daytop put in to try and, 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 make that experience as joyful as possible for the child and the parent. Um, for us slackers who were not parents, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. it was, you know, enjoy it. Be in the moment. We always talk about that in sports, right, in coaching, right, Be about being in the moment, not looking down the road, not looking behind you. Not living in the past and not living too far out in the future, just being in the moment. And never is that more was that more important than when you are in treatment and you are obviously not with your biological family, your blood family. You are with your adopted family, your daytop family, your OCG family, to come together, all of us, to accomplish something very important, extremely important in our lives. 
And as a result of that, we're going to experience various things together, such as Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Easter, July 4th, Labor Day, you name it, all of the above. Um, And as I tell the clients in the residential facility all the time, you, you get to decide what that experience is going to be. You get to decide that. So if you want it to be a, a joyful experience, a pleasant experience, you will make it so. Oh, well, how are you going to, how do you do that? I said, well, being present, being in the moment, and just enjoying that moment with everybody that's around you. And you, I'm sure you've seen this, I see it at the facility, various holiday gatherings that the residents have at the facilities, and their ports I get, at, and reading the communications, you know, that they, like this last, when we, last uh, Thanksgiving that just passed. Yeah. All the crossover communications we're talking about the clients having a wonderful time. Right, right. Being in the Thanksgiving Day spirit and just enjoying themselves, enjoying the day, enjoying the food, enjoying, enjoying, enjoying. That's what I'm talking about, being in the moment, enjoying the day. You know, the next day we can get back to the rigmarole of treatment. <laughs> <laughs> right, the grind. <laughs> the grind of treatment. <laughs> and I talk to them about the grind all the time. I said, yep, that's, that's part of the process. That's part of the experience. Do you have what it takes? Do you have what it takes to get through the grind? And I said, if you can, if you do, you'll be able to look back a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, say, while you were going through it, it felt hard, it felt difficult, but when you get a chance to look back, you're like, it, was, it wasn't really that. It just felt that way, but in the big scheme of things, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, and that was, I think that was even more that sense of it feeling forever and, and kind of like you said, you know, just feeling like a really big deal and in the grand scheme of things, it not being so. But I think that sense was even uh, slightly more amplified with the adolescents versus with the adults, because as you know, the, the younger you are, the greater um, the feeling of time is kind of present. You know, when you're very young, a day or a week or a month uh, feels like forever. Um, right. You know, things can change in you know, you're living moment to moment as a, as a kid or as an adolescent. And, um, and so the feeling of, or the idea, the thought of, I might be here for seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 months, a year, um, for a kid is, is even greater. Um, the, the perception is that that amount of time is greater than it really is, maybe more so than with the adults. And I, I remember um, even before I started working here, when I was just coming to give back as a, as a phase four, a graduate, um, trying to reason with them that although um, it does feel like a very long time and, um, you know, it, you're absolutely justified in feeling that way. Just understand that in the grand scheme of things, you know, one year, say, compared to the rest of your life is really just a blip on the radar. And if you do what you're supposed to do here and you do it right, um, the rest of your life can be exactly as you want it to be. Um, and you'll look back on it and think, uh, you know, you look back on it and think that that's, you know, uh, it wasn't all that bad. Um, but certainly, you know, you're living in the moment a little more. Um, and so that was, I remember that being a message I would always send. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, one aspect of of this, this season that I'm sure the clients enjoy, and that's the, the Secret Santa. No, not the Secret Santa. Is it the Secret Santa? Do we call it yeah, that? Yeah, we or? do. Yeah, we do okay. the Secret Santa. Yep, every year. So I'll never forget my first experience with that as a resident. And I think I want to say the amount was $7. You got $7. Um, 
I don't think it was ten is in my mind, but I don't think it was ten dollars. But and they put you in the van. I think it was by caseload, and uh, you went to uh, James Way was the name of the store in Liberty, New okay. York. Um, and you know, bought whatever you bought for whomever it was that you. And sometimes Where you drew. Exactly. Sometimes you wouldn't know the person because remember, there's 250 people, right? right? Even though you, even though you do know everybody, but it's probably not someone that you have, may have associated with or whatever. But trust me, you, you, you. Some people think, well, damn, 250 people, you know everybody in there. You may not sit at their dinner table, lunch table, breakfast table, and all that stuff, and hang out with them, play ball with them, and and whatnot, even be in group with them, but you. You know everyone in there. You learn everyone's name. But, um, yeah, went, went to James Way and got your little whatever it was, and uh, that was that. And uh, the good thing is that we bought that tradition out west. That secret yeah. Santa. And uh, the costs have gone up. What was the secret Santa price this year? You and I were going back and forth negotiating. You wanted 20 bucks. That, you wanted to keep it at ten dollars, and I was trying to get it up to thirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Twenty bucks. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I mean, where, where did pre- we settle? Did we settle at twenty-five? Yeah, no, twenty. Twenty. Uh, I, I'm a. I, I drive a tough bargain oh, yeah, uh, when okay. it comes to things like that. But yeah, I remember back in the day, um, we would load up the vans and we would do trips to Target. And um, that's how they would pick out their gifts. Now, in the days of Amazon, um, it's a, it's a little easier the process anyway. Um, so, but yeah, no, we've been doing that for as long as I can remember, and the clients love it. They they have a they have a really good time with it. Mm-hmm. Secret Santa. While we're on the subject of secret Secret Santa. I got to say, by the way, folks, we had our uh, holiday brunch or luncheon last Thursday, staff, staff luncheon, and we always play, what's the name of the game, the grab bag? Yeah, the, it's a white, white elephant. That, that's what it's called? Yeah, exactly. When when everyone or whoever wants to participate brings a gift, and the gift can be stolen up to three times, and yeah, which is always a fun one. I think that was the lowest gift turnout that we've ever had. Yeah, well, I also think the number of people who showed up was lower than we generally have. Um, I, I actually thought it would be it would have been lower last year, just coming right, out of sure. COVID. Than this year, yeah. Well, I, I think kind of what happened this year is just a lot of people falling sick. Uh, you know, the bugs are going around because it's the yeah. winter time, and certain people who have vacations planned for Christmas and and not wanting to risk being in being around, you know, uh, in a in a room with other people. So um, we did have normally the gifts that I've seen over the years. We usually have about twenty. 20 plus for gifts and yeah i think this year we had 11 or 12. okay interesting so that's what it's like to be in treatment during the holidays um for me it was a great experience for some it's very difficult and I, historically, by and large, those who experience difficulty are those with young children. Um, and again, like Daytop did, we have to make sure we're doing everything we can to mitigate that 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 pull of the heartstrings on them. Uh, even though that can occur at any time during the year, but um, the holiday season kind of heightens that. Um, if you will, and sometimes it's not a pull, meaning like it's not necessarily someone pulling them versus them in their own mind thinking it and and by and slowly like driving their own self out the door. Yeah, I want to be with my kids. I need to be with my kids, so on and so forth. Yeah, allowing that to fester and grow. 
Now, old school daytime, we would say, well, wait a second. You spent the last 15 years not being with your kids. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, right? And that's, the, that's hitting him with the raw truth. That is old school daytop right there. Wait, you want to tell me you care about your kids now? Where was all that care and love when you were out there running the streets? We that, booked, that you a ha- book, book, booked you a haircut and give you a couple of gut punches. <laughs> right, Real- exactly. <laughs> Reality punches. Yeah, in fact, I want you to book yourself for being dishonest with yourself and being insensitive. Before you know it, yeah. you went from uh, trying to vent to appear about missing your family to being put on an L.E. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the stuff we used to do. Indeed, but uh, all was learned along the way, and and I think overall, like you said, historically, Daytop and now our common ground has a storied tradition of being as supportive as we can throughout the holidays and and trying to make it uh, as homey as possible. And uh, we'll certainly we'll certainly be able to report back. Um, on uh, Christmas is on Sunday this year, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Christmas yeah, is Saturday, this, this, Christmas yeah. Sunday, yep. Yeah. Uh, very good for the church-going folk. Uh, my mother, my parents always loved when those stars aligned and their Christmas landed on Sunday, their oh, church-going sure. day. And, you know, so it was a it was an extra, extra, extra big deal for them when that happened. Um, they, they, they didn't like the heathenness of the uh, the Saturday Christmas or the uh, the Friday Christmas or what what have you. So anytime it would fall on a Sunday, and Mr. Mr. Mathematician, you can tell us how often that would happen. Um, I don't know if that's every seven years or eight years or six years. With yeah, the you'd year, think, but... But yeah, but the leap year, the leap year ends up throwing it off, but it is in that yeah. range somewhere. Okay. Um, but they absolutely loved when it happened on a Sunday. It made the, uh, the, the Christmas day, the Christmas day service a little more emphatic, if you will. Sure. Sure. I can imagine. So, yeah. The hymns were a little bit more energized if it was on a Christmas Sunday. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And and as usual, and, and even more now because it's on Sunday, I can expect my annual call, not, not that my mother calls me once a year, but every Christmas, she'll call me. And what do you think her first question is? Now, mind you, because we're three hours separated in time, right, she has probably been to church and back by the time she calls me, and we're still, we haven't even crested noontime yet, but so what do you think her first question is? Without fail, I, I am now 58 years old, and so since I have left the grasps of my mother at age 18, so that's how many years? 40 years. That she has asked me the same question every year for 40 years. What do you think that question is? Uh, well, I've got, I've got two guesses. Uh, given what feels like the setup of the context that you're giving, uh, my first guess would maybe be something to the, something to the tune of, have you, have you been to service yet? Have you been to church yet? Have you, have you paid your respects to the Lord above on this day. Uh, and That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. I'd have got the same thing from, from my Nana and grandfather, devout Catholics before they passed, without a doubt. And there's a running joke in the family, not, not about this, that's just between me and my mother, but she, my mother, is absolutely maniacal with the birthday cards for for all from the from her own children to the great grand to the great for the grandchildren, the great grands, and the great great grands. I think she has one great great. Okay. Or two. They all get a birthday card from her. Everybody gets birthday cards. 
And especially the older ones, so if you're teenagers and older, she has a little insert <laughs> that she slips in there, and it says three magic words. What do you, can, you, can you guess what the three magic words are that are on her little insert, handwritten insert? Oh, boy, that's, that's going to be a tough one. I'll give you a clue. Think the similar theme. Yeah. Uh, three words. Uh, God bless you, maybe. That's a good guess. No, she, she says uh, her insert is go to church. <laughs> go, go to church. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. So what's, yeah. what's, funny, what's funny is is that obviously as we've gotten much older, right, and we still get these cards with these inserts, but if we get a card from her and it doesn't have the insert, <laughs> we're calling her and saying, Mom, what, what's, what the hell's going on here? Right, right. Are, have you given up on all of us? And, and she, she'll say, what, you didn't get my card? She said, no, we got the card. What happened to the insert? It said go to church. She would laugh so hard. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so oh, That's funny. That, that's a great inside family joke that we now have because of her establishing this tradition of these little inserts all that all say the same exact thing i love that but, i love that and, yeah my yeah go ahead and i think it's important for me to say this so people don't get the wrong idea my parents were very religious but but very religious in context meaning that they, you know, they went to church on sundays and 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 that's what they did Right. Right. Um, and they did not miss church. They went to church on Thanksgiving. They went to church on Christmas Sunday, whether it was on Christmas or you know on Christmas Day or not. You know, whatever day Christmas fell on, they went to church that day. Sure. And, so, and that's without fail. And that's what we experienced growing up as 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 children. But I'll say they were not maniacal, meaning that they they raised children that that went and chose different religions. You know what I mean? From from them. Uh, okay, some, yeah. chose, some some chose the ones that they grew up in and some chose others, drastically different. But they accepted all of them. And that's where I learned the most about my father. My father was very religious, sang in the choir and everything. That's why I would tell you, Mr. Producer, what he did for a living and what he did in his private life to me just didn't match what you would think that someone who was in law enforcement that this is what you know just didn't match to me but that's what he did but, sure yeah hey but i would say my father was more religious than my mother but where my father showed his true colors where you know is that when my younger when my sister was a little bit older than me one year older than me when she was 17 and she decided to, to, do, to go a different religious path, let's just call it that, and she moved out of the house at 17 to do this, my father wasn't having it. He huh. was not having it. It was very upsetting to him and so on, so on, so forth. And he ended up saying to her, I don't care what religion you choose. He says, I just want you back home. Oh, there you go. So for me... That said, and he showed that it, his children being home or, you know, in his eyes, I guess, being safe or whatever you want to call it, was more important to him than religion. Makes sense. But your parents being traditional Catholics, absolutely. Not a, not a Christmas day passes without being at mass. That's right. No, that's right. And I, and kind of like you know, I'd, I'd say based on what you've described, my my parents were maybe a little more on the strict end. Um, I know it was devastating to my nana, God rest her soul, when my wife and I were married in anything uh, out other than a Catholic church. That was very very upsetting to her. Um, so, so there was, yeah, that's right. So there was some of that, um, but my grandpa a little more pragmatic in that, um, as devout as he was, and we did not miss church. But when football season came around, we definitely planned the mass we were going to attend around the Niners game. So if the Niners played at one ten o'clock mass, 
Uh, if the Niners played at 10 o'clock, we'd either go to the Saturday evening mass or it would be the Saturday evening mass because even the Sunday afternoon one was at 11 and we would still miss uh, some of the game. And so he definitely, when the football season came around, planned church around um, when the game was. So he can give you a little peek into uh, his mode of operation in that regard. Uh, but what my second guess was going to be as to what your mom might ask every time she calls, and it's funny, I, I say this because this is exactly what would happen when, uh, generally speaking, when I got a call from home, even though, of course, Nana and Dad, you know, they live in the same house, they're married 50 years plus, the phone call would always come from Nana. Yeah, now, after I spoke to Nana, she'd pass the phone to Dad, but the phone, the original caller would always be Nana. Um, and so my second guess was going to be uh, that your mom might call, and the first thing she asks would be, how's Linda? You know, how, how, how's my baby? So I would get this all the time with Nana. You're calling me. You're calling your son, your grandson here. And your first question is always, how's Anna? Put Anna on the phone. I want to speak to her. Like, well, who am I? I'm the one that's your kid, you know what I mean? And you're calling yeah. to calling to speak to your daughter-in-law, always first in line there. So that was going to be my second guess. Well, that would have been that would have been a good guess because um, Linda holds a very special position with my mother because she's the only daughter-in-law. Oh, there you go. She's got a bunch of son-in-laws and only one daughter-in-law. Only one daughter-in-law because one brother is not married, and well, both neither one of my older brothers are 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 currently married. <clears throat> so Linda has been and has held that position for thirty plus years as the only daughter-in-law. So she holds a very, 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 very special place. Uh, That's right. Uh, with my mother and the fact that they're both crafters, need I say more? Yeah, right. Match made in heaven. Yep. Perfect. Well, I love it. That's that's fine. You and I, we're okay with being second place. Hey, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. That is right. Well, I think that's uh, it was that was a great topic today. Good to talk about for the times. The next time we. Uh, we hop on for another show. We'll we'll be able to speak about how our transition to smoke free is going and how the holidays went and looking forward to getting close to the end of another fiscal year and we'll we'll have we'll have some more good stuff uh on well, tap well, for everybody. Well the other thing we'll have, Mr. Producer, is we'll the next show we'll do we'll know whether or not Cowboys either went one and done again or made a run in the playoffs up to the Super Bowl or not. True, um, true. We'll, we'll, we'll have the answer to that question one way or the other. And what the, what the entire NFC East might do as a whole division representative for the NFC. Mm-hmm. Might be a trifecta of one and done. <laughs> yeah. Funny, if they don't, uh, funny. If they don't play, If they don't play each other. Yeah, true, true. Um, funny note um, that just popped up that I wanted to share here so everyone can kind of get a laugh. We all know Mr. Host is an unpopular Cowboys fan in these parts. Um, but apparently, <coughs> excuse me, apparently uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles sent 35 cheesesteaks and 25 large fries to Doug Peterson and his staff as a thank you for beating the Cowboys. Um, Because, of course, we all know the Eagles had the Cowboys hot on their trail for that potential uh, champion of the NFC East and maybe even the one seed. And so the Eagles hooked hooked them up down in Jacksonville with some of the the locals' finest cheesesteaks. Last thing I'm going to say on the subject. Here's the the irony. The Cowboys lost the division when they lost to Green Bay. And it's funny because they lost to Green Bay the same way they lost this this past Sunday to uh, Jacksonville by blowing a two-touchdown plus lead. Big lead. Yep. Yep. So. So that's that. There you go. We'll leave it on that. Well, we do have a little holiday message for everybody. 
and then we are going to wrap up the show. So thank you everybody for tuning in. We hope everybody has a very happy holidays, um, safe new years, and we will catch you all in 2023. Roach on Recovery. On behalf of OCG's Board of Directors, staff and clients, would like to wish the families and friends of OCG clients and the listeners to OCG Recovery Radio a very safe and happy holiday season. That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.